Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights, the podcast brought to you by International School of the Word. I am Matthew Foley, and today I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about something that I think is of extreme importance in the body of Christ today, and it's based off of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's verse 15. For though you, have t- for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Today, talking about this issue, I have a good friend to ISO Bible College coming on. He has taught uh, multiple different courses, the book of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. He was a, a teacher on the Millennial Temple course. He taught also multiple different books of the Bible, like Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and he was a co-teacher of what happened to the apostles after the ascension. He's a very good friend to our president, Dr. Brian Cutshaw, and he has been in many, many years of ministry, from six years of ministry at Twin Rivers Church in St. Louis. He's been a lead pastor, a state youth and discipleship director for the Church of God in four states, and executive pastor currently at River Hills Church. So... Without further ado, we have Pastor Chuck Knoll here. How are you doing, Pastor Chuck? I am doing amazing. And Matthew, thank you for the opportunity to uh, come on here today Absolutely. and talk about some things that are near and dear to my heart. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to have you on. We had a pre-Skype to be able to kind of look it over the setup that we were going to have. And we originally, I had talked about having you on for a different subject, uh, but we were going to talk about spiritual gifts and how they should operate in the church. But then as we talked, I just kind of, Pastor Chuck's very enjoyable to talk to. So I just started <laughs> asking him questions about his personal life and, you know, getting in his business. But I really just wanted to know him, get to know him more. And when he started talking about where God has brought him recently, we really felt like the Lord was leading us in a different direction. So I just want to kick it off with a straightforward question that when it comes to the subject of spiritual fathers and mothers, it seems to me that with the confusion going on in the United States with young people, there's never been a greater need for spiritual fathers and mothers to rise up and take their place in the church. So with that being said, what was your journey from being a spiritual son to now coming to a place in your life where you are stepping in as a spiritual father? Well, that's uh, a great question, Matthew, because it's not something that there is a clear line of, of demarcation um, where one day I felt like I was a spiritual son and mm-hmm. the next day all of a sudden, uh, I feel like I'm this white haired spiritual father, Mm -hmm. um, that is supposed to be helping other generations. But, but it was sort of a, a slow transition in my life. Um, I found myself, uh, in a leadership position and I found younger ministers in particular, men and women, uh, were suddenly coming to me and, and, asking me for my counsel, my advice on things. And I have to be honest with you, I was very uncomfortable with that Mm. in the beginning. Uh, I didn't necessarily feel like I was qualified or whatever. And so I tried to find even some more experienced 
people in the gospel that uh, I could sort of shift these people to. And, and they kept telling me, are you crazy? Mm. Um, because, and I quote that directly, are you crazy? <laughs> really? Um, if, if God is bringing these people to you, there is uh, a reason. Mm. And um, I, I felt a great responsibility for that. I felt that I had to then develop myself uh, and I had to seek wisdom and direction. But I, I think the, the tipping point for me came when uh, I was praying uh, about direction in my own life. And I was sort of, maybe there's a difference between lamenting before God and mm -hmm. complaining to God. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe there is, but I was lamenting the loss of spiritual fathers in my life because I had reached an age where many of them were passing away. They're, they're going to heaven and they're gone. And so Lord, you know, who's going to step in? Mm -hmm. And I just felt a very definite sense of the Holy spirit whispering to me and saying, now it's your turn. Wow. Now you have to pick up the mantle of responsibility. And, um, that's when I think I really began to take it seriously mm. and I began to look for organic connections. Wow. Um, and what I mean by that is someone can hire me to be their coach. I don't even have to have a relationship, a personal relationship with them to be mm -hmm. their coach. But I believe that when it comes to spiritual fathers and mothers, God puts people together. He, he causes those relationships to blossom mm. uh, and to grow. And um, God began to put those people in my life. Uh, and so I began to take seriously at that point what it meant to perhaps prepare another generation wow uh, what just is, to step in and take their place yeah what did it feel like to have people that you used to rely on and i'm guessing you probably had people in your life that you went to pretty consistently whenever you would run into just life life can be hard and people have always went to parents and mentors and leaders so there's like a natural and a spiritual component to that but what is it like to actually see those people move on or, or go to be with the Lord and then to fill that void that you would once go to for advice and guidance and wisdom, where do you go to after that? And that's a real question because I'm very curious. I've, I've started to think about that at this point in my life. What's going to happen down the road? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what I've learned is to trust the wisdom of God. And, and if mm. there was someone in my life for a season, that was helping to bring uh, some direction. And you know what? Spiritual fathers will also bring correction. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they don't, um, I think they do it lovingly, and I think they do it with compassion and understanding. But spiritual fathers are called to bring correction mm -hmm. as, as well as help bring direction. And uh, I trust the wisdom of God that when that season passes, there's either going to be someone else or now it's my turn mm. to take the tools they have put in my toolbox and the lessons that I have learned 
and reinvest those things mm. in someone else. And, and if I may, um, let me say this. I just sort of feel prompted sure. to say this. You know, we read the story of, of David and the prophet Samuel and how that Samuel go, goes to the house of Jesse to anoint a king. And he tries to anoint David's brothers and the anointing oil won't flow mm. because God has not chosen them. And so finally, Jesse says, well, you know, I have this one other son. Mm. He's kind of a good looking kid, <laughs> but he's just a kid. Yeah. All my other sons seem to look and act more like a king than David. Mm-hmm. But, but Samuel says something interesting. He says, bring David here. And he says, we will not sit down until David comes in the house. And, and the wow. implication of that is. That Samuel says, we will not sit down until David steps into his anointing. Mm-hmm. We will not set that, sit down until David steps into the place and, and the purpose that God has for mm. his life. And I think the Lord really dropped that in my spirit, that um, those of us that God has invested in, that that have some experience and we have a track record behind us. Yeah. We can't sit down until the generation behind us steps into their anointing and Mm. steps into their Mm. purpose and their place in the kingdom of God and the calling that God has for them. And so that's what motivates me. And that's, that's what drives me forward Mm. because, um, I believe the Lord could come back today, but if he doesn't, the church, the king, the, the work of the kingdom in the earth needs to be in the hands of young men and women that have been equipped uh, yeah. to do that work. That gets into something very interesting to me. Um, Malachi, we're going off notes here. <laughs> Malachi, yeah. he said, this is good, so I hope it's going to be good. Uh, he talked about <laughs> before G- the Messiah would come, before Jesus would come that there would be the spirit of the fathers and the sons and the daughters that are all going to be turned back to each other. And I've thought about how this nation in the United States, for generations, we actually look back and we see changing cultural habits, changing clothes, and we mark them by decades. Like during Halloween just went by, and uh, people, if you go out and you look at how kids are dressed up, they're going to be dressed up. Some of them are like, oh, I'm from the 80s. I'm from the 60s. So we understand that there's clear divisions. But for most of human history, people did whatever their parents did. And they dressed the way their parents dressed. And there would be changes in style and fashion over time. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And I, didn't, I don't study history to the degree where I'd be like, no, I know this for sure. But I feel like that in America... People started, it became normal to want to be very different from your parents and to reject the ways of your parents. So everyone just had an expectation that teenagers are going to be rebellious, that they're going to turn against their parents and have a rebellious phase. But I don't think that's been the case for most of human history. Like it seems like kids respected their parents and learned from them and depended on them so much. The reason I'm mentioning that is today, even with the internet and technology, people feel more and more independent 
from the people that came before them. Because you can just Google something now. You know, you don't have to ask your parents, well, how do I do this? Now you, dad, how do I fix the car? Now you can just go on a YouTube. But there's got to be wisdom and something that can't be just in information, but a way of living and a peace that comes from doing things the way that God intended it, which is going to those that came before you, bringing a matter to them. Like Moses went to Jethro when he was having to deal with all the Israelites. And he's like, what in the world am I going to do? I'm getting worn out here. And then Jethro had this gift of wisdom to impart into his life. He had the answer. So why I'm mentioning that is because I'm wondering what if the Lord has spoken to you about what God wants to do in this generation, how can we have the hearts of children turn back to parents and parents to children? Because there's such a division and a conflict, even in the church between generations, like we're being pitted against each other. I think there are a a couple of keys to that. Excuse me. A couple of keys to that that I have found. I think, first of all, um, I've had to drop my expectation that they're going, the next generation is going to look like me Mm. and sound like me. I think uh, too often we think if we're going to impart something into the life of of someone who's coming behind us, Mm. that we have this expectation, they're going to be a mini me. Wow. And and (laughs) they're, they're, they're going to look like me and Mm -hmm. they're going to, sound like me, but some of the spiritual sons that God, uh, has given me, you know, are tatted Mm. and, and some of the spiritual sons God has given me have, have piercings and they have, uh, listen, I'm determined to stand before God with the same number of holes in me that God gave me, (laughs) but, but I've quit, I've quit expecting them to look like me and sound like me. Uh, and I think that's one of the keys to being able to impart lasting truth. Mm-hmm. I don't want to focus on something that's a, a fast, a passing fad, mm-hmm. uh, because those styles will change and, and it'll be something different in another generation. I think the second thing is, is to not get focused as a spiritual father on necessarily passing down methodologies. Wow. Because, because methodologies have to shift mm. uh, with the culture in order to get the message out. Um, when I started preaching in 1978, I've been around a year or two. Mm. We didn't have anything like what you and I are doing here today. Mm. It wasn't even possible. The technology wasn't there to do it. So this is a new methodology. Uh, However, what we can focus on is teaching uh, biblical and practical principles to the next generation that is coming. And then, listen, they're brilliant. They're Mm. smart. They have at their fingertips information uh, in a moment's time. And if we can teach them sound principles Mm. to build their lives and ministries upon, 
they can take those minutes, uh, those principles, and they'll figure out the methodologies mm. that are going to. It's going to take to communicate the message of the gospel to their generation. Wow, that's amazing. So the three principles are. Uh, don't get freaked out if the younger generation looks different. And this is really advice um, for people that are coming into spiritual fatherhood, it sounds like. Don't get freaked out by if the younger generation looks different. Second, don't obsess over the methodologies. And then uh, did you have Correct. a third point there? No, I, okay, I think two those, people, were, gotcha. those were the two things. Gotcha. What I would say on the other side of that, to, to those that are looking for uh, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers don't automatically reject them because mm. they look different than you. Thank you so much for watching ISO Insights, ISO Bible College's podcast. And I wanted to let you know about something that we offer, making it easy for you to see the rest of the courses that we have sampled in our videos here on our YouTube channel. You can use our All Access Pass, which you can find more about both in the description below and at isow.org, our website. By using the All Access Pass subscription, $99 a month, will get you full access to all of our course catalogs. So please do go over and check out our all-access pass at iso.org. I, I can remember a few years ago when I was pastoring, <clears throat> excuse me, I had had a difficult situation uh, with someone and, and there was an elderly lady in the church mm. that I had known since my teen years and now she's suffering from dementia and but she's now in my care as her mm. pastor and sometimes she would say just off the wall things <laughs> really but but i remember her meeting me in the lobby of the church one day mm. and taking me by the hand and looking me in the eyes and saying i was praying for you early this morning and i said well, thank you. I appreciate that, sister. And uh, she said, the Lord said to tell you, they're not bad people. They're just misunderstood. Whoa. And I said, would you repeat that, please? She said, the Lord said to tell you, they're not bad people. They're just misunderstood. And God used this elderly lady with dementia. <clears throat> who for a moment's time was sober as a judge, was hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak something in my life. <clears throat> and if I had rejected her because she was a crazy-looking little grandma, mm. instead of looking for the voice of God and the instruction of God in what she was saying, I might never have received what I needed to deal with the situation that I was dealing with. So I would say to the younger generation. Use your methodologies, develop your methodologies. Mm. But but know this, those who are spiritual fathers and mothers, <clears throat> they've been where you are. You've never been where they are. Wow. They've been 25. They've been 30. They've been 35. They've been young parents. They have walked where you have walked. You've not walked where they've walked. So Take the time to listen and look for the principles that are being taught 
behind what they're saying. Mm, wow. That's amazing. And I, that's really comforting <laughs> because especially today, there's just, a, there's a discontinuity that is frightening. You know, it feels like that Satan's waged a war against the family. But I think that what that means, if you have a fatherless generation and the church is called to give spiritual fathers, the church has the answer. The church has the answer for people that are fatherless. And do you think that there's a hesitance in, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. This is a, a pretty strong question. But do you think there's a hesitance in the older generation to want to be something more to younger people in church that are going through some real stuff that's pretty crazy. I mean, things have gotten crazy out there. <laughs> Do you think there's a hesitance to being more than a teacher and being involved in that person's life and inviting them into your house and your life? How do you think the older generation uh, past 50 is responding to, excuse me, we got to edit that out. I just had something nearly drop. But how do you think the older generation past 50 is responding in church to this immense need in younger people to have order out of chaos and have help with all these crazy situations they're dealing with in today's culture? I think my generation has to realize that um, it is hard work, mm. but it is rewarding work. You know, I think like Samuel and Jesse, we would like to sit down, mm. but God says, until you prepare this next generation, you, can't sit down. And I think in your question, you hit on the key. You have to enter into their life and allow them to enter into mm. your life. My, my wife and I were just talking about this in the last week. God has given us a marvelous group of young adults in the church where we serve. They're amazing. And they cross uh, cultural lines, mm. Hispanics, African-Americans, um, people from the West Indies, uh, they just cross all kinds of, uh, cultural and racial lines. Mm. She said, but the one thing they have in common is that most of them were fatherless wow. being raised and they're in church now. And God has done amazing transformations in their lives. Some of them come out of incredibly crazy situations. Mm but they're, they're looking for some direction. They're looking for some guidance. Mm. Uh, and so just in practical terms, we've invited them all over to our house mm. and, um, you know, one is going to make the macaroni and cheese and another's <laughs> going to make the collard greens and we're going to supply the barbecue chicken and the hot dogs and, mm we're going to sit around a fire pit in our backyard and we're going to invite them into to our life. And, and we're being invited into um, their lives. Mm. And I think one of the keys to that is don't, don't be shocked at, at what you find. Many of these kids have been raised in, in a culture that um, is so amoral mm -hmm. um, that um, things that I would never have 
dreamed of doing when I was a 15 year old were regular practices yeah. for them in their lives. Mm. However, don't discount the redemptive power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ability because he loves this generation and he has purpose for them and he has a calling for them. And the, the church is about to be entrusted into their hands if the Lord mm. tarries. And so I, I just want to do what I can to try to prepare them. Because one day I do want to sit down. I'd like to go play some golf and go to yeah. the beach a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, until until that day comes, um, I can't sit down mm. until they are ready to take their rightful place in the church. Wow. And, you know, for the sake of this not just being um, one-sided where those that are listening, if they're beyond 50 and they're hearing this, they're like, oh, my goodness, I feel like this is just a confrontation with me. What about younger people? When is somebody going to tell them to get their act together? Well, I want to say this to people that are, you know, teenagers into even even kids could be listening to this, young teenagers, 13, 12 who are hungering for spiritual parenting in their life. If you're listening to me and you want that, you also need to understand that with spiritual parenting will come correction. And that for someone, because there's a lot of young people in the church that are actually like, who's going to invite me to their life? I'm waiting. You know, I'm here. I'm waiting for somebody to invite me over for a bowl of chili. With that, as you develop that relationship, if even if you haven't had a parent in your life or a father in your life, you need to understand corrections going to come. But when someone in the church, when someone is a spiritual father and they're doing it right, correction never does away with love. No matter how much a spiritual parent, sometimes they'll correct you more if they love you greatly. <laughs> God corrects those. The Bible says he chastens the, the one who he loves. He disciplines children he loves. That's how God operates. So if that's the case, you have to be open because in this culture we're in, there are a lot of things that need correction. Everybody knows we're in a broken culture right now, even if they don't want to say it. So you have to believe that there's something in the older generation that's, that's experienced life beyond what we've experienced. There's a wisdom that they know that can help us navigate all these crazy situations that we're going through now. And I also want to ask you, Pastor Chuck, as we're getting, we're, we're headed through toward the end now, so we're nearing closing, okay. but... Uh, I wanted to ask you about the scripture um, in 1 Timothy. I'm looking here at 1 Timothy 3, 2, 4 through 5, where Paul says, A bishop then, is meaning somebody who oversees the church and its affairs, a bishop then must be blameless, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house how will he take care of the church of God? Um, in your experience, <laughs> excuse me, in your experience, and I don't expect people in ministry or people in the church and leadership to ever be perfect or to have a house, even though your house may be in order, that doesn't mean that you don't have issues and that people aren't human and you don't have to sort things out. But what do you, have you seen a real connection between people who, have a problem in ministry or who have a collapse or something becomes dysfunctional and toxic within their church and nobody 
even asked the question of how their home life was going. And when the counseling began or when things began to be uncovered, there was some serious problems within their inner family relationships. And I've noticed if Paul's saying this, then there must have been a, a common practice in the early church of, well, we need to check out your finances. We need to check out how you're running your house, your relationship with your wife and children before we even consider you being in the church. Has that gone away in church culture as a standard? Um, did that used to be there? Because I honestly, I feel like that it has gone away in a lot of churches today. And how do you think we can re-implement that? I, I think in some cases, uh, perhaps it, it has gone away, mm. but I don't think we can ignore um, that biblical teaching there in first Timothy, because I believe the, let me put it this way. I believe the lesser informs the greater. Mm. Um, it comes back to the old principle of being, if you're faithful in this, that is small, mm. then I can entrust you, uh, with more. So I think for me, perhaps, raising a family, you know, my daughters are 38 and 34. Mm. Now they're raised, they're out of the house. Uh, but I think raising a family and, and managing a relationship with them and managing a relationship with my wife and trying to help my home and my family to operate by biblical principles, that was a proving ground and, and a testing ground. And God knows that I made a lot of mm -hmm. mistakes. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, but the Lord helps us and he helps us to redeem those things. Um, and so then when we get into the broader picture of managing uh, the Lord's church and the affairs of the church, mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of parallels. You have to speak the truth in love. Sometimes wow. you have to bring correction, but you also have to balance that with support and encouragement, mm -hmm. uh, and, and modeling what, uh, are the right principles, uh, to live by. But I think scriptures are correct. It has to mm -hmm. start in the home. Yeah. And, um, and that's why we must, we must, um, raise up spiritual fathers and mothers for the generation coming. Uh, because as I said, a lot of the young adults that my wife and I are working with now come from fatherless homes. And so the mm. concept of having a father in your life is is kind of foreign to them. Wow. And so they don't know how to manage those things um, if someone uh, doesn't teach them. But you know what? Mm. There's a hunger. Mm. There's a passion. They want to learn. They want to know. They may not um, always like correction, but if you do it in the right way in mm. love. Um, they want to be all that God's called them to be. Wow. In just a closing statement, if there was someone young that was in church or wanted to go to church and really felt like they needed a spiritual father and mother in their life, they need someone to be representatives of the way to live and the way to walk, but, you know, maybe they've tried to go to church. That opportunity's never revealed itself to them. But they don't really know how to approach and ask leadership or ask an, a couple in their church that they look up to to take them in. How do they approach that? What can they do? Well, as I said in the beginning, I think, I think it's an organic thing. 
Mm. I think it's something that you feel uh, an affinity for someone and, and that will be reciprocated. Mm. Uh, So if, if that person, if I was younger and that person was not coming to me, um, you're going to have to have the courage to go to them and say, I see things in your life that I need in my life. Mm. And um, I would love for you to be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother to me and attach yourself to them. Mm. Um, Get involved in serving them. Find ways to serve them. I don't think anyone can assign you. Your pastor can't assign you a spiritual father. Yeah, yeah. He might assign you a coach. Yeah. But he can't assign you a spiritual father. That's the truth. Um, You know, the relationship between Paul and Timothy was organic. He led Timothy to Christ. And he um, developed that relationship as a father. Mm. Um, But there's so many things running through my head. But, you know, that, that correction flows out of relationship. Mm. You don't build relationship, then correction is not well received. Um, so if I were a younger person, I would find someone that I see, that I feel drawn to, mm. that I sense. And I would have the courage to go and say, look, I see some things in your life. Can, can we spend some time uh, together? Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to learn about life and ministry and and all of those things uh, from you. And I don't know of, t- of too many that would turn that down if they had the opportunity. Mm. I agree. I don't, I don't think there's one person when they feel truly loved and seen by someone that would turn away from that. And Pastor Chuck, it's been incredible to have you on. Uh, I'm so grateful that you agreed to it. <laughs> I know it was on short notice, but I'm glad you said yes. And uh, I want, before we close here, just to say to anyone who's watching that love in relationship is real love. Love acted out. You know, faith without works is dead, is what it says in James. But it also says somewhere else in the New Testament that we prove faith through love. Faith is proven through acts of love. And in the church, we're about to see, I believe, a great move of relationships from God and people really being there for one another because Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples because of the love you have for one another. So thank you so much, Pastor Chuck, for coming on. It's been amazing having you on this episode. Thank you, Matthew. I love and appreciate you and and ISO and the ministry of ISO Bible College. And uh, I'm appreciative of the opportunity. Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to have you back soon. So thank you much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Pastor Chuck. Thank you. All right. God bless. 